0: Hi guys, welcome to our first episode of Fixin' Fiction, where we will take over any film that we wish and essentially obliterate it into oblivion and then rebuild it in the way that we envisioned it to be in a sort of like coherent storyline that's somewhat better than what we were given. So it's more fan friendly than critic friendly. And we'll go from there, my co-host today, is Sean Williamson.
1: Hello, how are we
0: doing? And I probably should have introduced myself first.
1: That always I'm, goes
0: well. I'm Andrew Baker. And today we are doing Man of Steel, Zack Schneider's very first DCEU film. Let's crack on.
1: So, how did you feel about the film in general, Andy?
0: The film itself for the DCEU was a pretty solid foundation for. What it was essentially a clusterfuck of a building on top of it.
1: Yeah, we were just saying that. It's a shame that we've had to start with what is a relatively solid film, and then they get wobblier and wobblier as you add more to it.
0: But, like we said, we're going to get our jackhammer, and we're going to fuck this foundation up as well.
1: And then just start
0: over, really? Because clean slate. Clean slate.
1: But... Yeah, I would say in general, they did quite a good job with this film. There's Zack Schneider's put his cut on absolutely everything. You can see that it's his film. It's dark, it's gritty, there's sort of the big blue light in the sky. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, it's his take on Superman. And I think that for the modern generation, it's quite refreshing. It's not the Christopher Reeves Superman, but it's a new Superman for a newer generation.
0: Exactly, and if we look at it as a, a separate film to all of the others, you sort of got Zack Schneider trying to humanise Superman in some sort of way, a bit like how Christopher Nolan humanised the entire Batman universe by making it more realistic, more gritty, and more like like it could actually happen. And exactly. I, feel like, I feel like Zack Schneider went in with the, A dark, gritty tone, because that's what DC really is, to be honest. There's nothing funny about it most of the time anyway. So why why not go for serious?
1: Well, I suspect that his long-term plan was to have it start off Superman, you know, gritty, down to earth. You know, he's a a guy from Kansas, and then he would become, across the course of the films, not more light-hearted, but more hopeful, more elevated, more like the symbol as opposed to the guy.
0: Yeah, because even in the comics, like Superman comes from a pretty dark background where he's essentially orphaned, and his, his entire home planet's just gone, and he's on this strange alien planet, which he's now got to get acclimatised to.
1: Yeah. I have very strong feelings about uh, several points to that, but we will discuss that in our pros and cons, which will be oh, yeah. coming up shortly. But yeah, to, so to summarise, good foundation for the DCU, solid film on its own. Would you say almost a product of its time, though?
0: Well, there seemed to be quite a few films of that similar tone out at that time. I mean, uh, what year was it? It's uh, twenty thirteen. Okay. So, yeah. uh, if you do a quick search on any film from 2013 let's have a look you've got well you've got For the Dark World for one that was quite dark and gritty you've got Gravity uh, The Hunger Games Iron Man 3 which tackled very serious mental health issues PTSD yeah you've got The Wolverine as well that came out that year then it's coming from well, it's coming from the same guy that did three hundred.
1: Yeah, and Watchmen.
0: And Watchmen as well. Yeah, another quite, quite dark. good uh, dark DC film. Yeah, there's quite a few uh, gritty films that came out that year. So it's sort of in keeping with the times. Yeah, right. Sort of fit around with what was being sold to the consumers at the time.
1: Absolutely. Right. So next up on our list is the pros and cons section. So let's just head over there right now. Right. So we're here at the pros and cons corner. Should we start with the pros or start with the cons? Are we feeling positive or negative?
0: I think we should start with something positive.
1: Um, excellent. So let's start with Henry Cavill as Superman. Physically, embodies him perfectly.
0: I mean, physically, Henry Cavill's quite the perfect specimen. As yeah. it is. <laughs> He's basically peak human conditioning. Absolutely. For this it's... film. and Something I quite liked as well. He fought to keep his hairy chest... Because in one of the very few comics that you actually see Superman's bare chest, he does have hair on it. And Henry Cavill felt that it needed to stay in order to be more comic accurate to the character.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, how is he going to shave his chest for one? You know, he's... exactly. With lasers. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. so to jump onto a con off the back of that pro, not a lot of Clark Kent in this film.
0: No, it it seems to just be about Superman as the person, which I suppose
1: he's not intends. developed his split uh, identity yet, really.
0: Yeah, he's he's trying to find himself on this planet, find where he fits, where he can just be Clark Kent, where he can be Superman. But in this film, I think it's more about just exploring um, his his own self identity at the time.
1: Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, I also think that, generally speaking, the casting for this film is quite spot on. There was nobody I was looking at going, you don't really belong in that role, with the exception of Perry White. I don't think Lawrence Fishburne was particularly, it's not that he was bad, I just don't feel like he was particularly well done.
0: Yeah, because if you compare journalist bosses in comic movies, you've got Perry White and you've got J Jonah Jameson, which are the ones that stand out. Yeah, J Jonah Jameson has a personality that sets him aside from everyone else. Where he he's like he's loud, he's obnoxious. He essentially wants to bring down Spider-Man through the power of the media, which is a very good characterization for today's media, really. Yeah, absolutely. whereas, whereas Perry White, he was more just a. um he was just there. He didn't really stand out. And yeah. to have such a high caliber actor like Lawrence Fishburne playing him, it just sort of um, meh. Yeah, exactly it's a bit of a miss. Of a miss. Yeah. Uh,
1: another, I'm just sticking with the positive point because we'll get to the negatives in plenty of time. Uh, the exploration of Krypton and its lore and its culture, I thought, was amazing. We've not seen it done really in any other
0: live-action Superman film. Well, exactly. Um, in the very first Superman film with Marlon Brando and his impeccable white hair, all you really see is a bunch of crystal walls, a crystal star-shaped spaceship, and that's really it of Krypton. Exactly. Most of it looks practically like Pluto. It's just a, it's just an ice planet, really.
1: It's essentially the the same set as the Fortress of Solitude. It could be the same set, for all I know. They look so similar. But this was nice because although it was all overlaid with sepia and quite muted colours, I liked the fact that we saw saw some endemic life. We found out about how they've all got different pre-programmed roles, apart from Clark, who's the first natural birth in ages. They've got this council. They've got loads of stuff that hints at a larger history.
0: Yeah, what Zack managed to do in the f- first 15 minutes of the film was he basically established a planet and its life and its ways in a way that most films can't really do nowadays within, like, an hour. So he, he quite quickly established Krypton as, like, yep, yeah, this is what it's like. These are the sort of life forms you've got on it. This is the society. Let's move on.
1: Exactly. The humanisation as well, I think, of Superman, this film's quite good. Because although I've complained that there's no Clark Kent, he's also not Superman for most of the film. And you kind of see him struggling to come with, oh, do I do this, do I do that, do I do what my dad said, or do I do what I was sent here to do?
0: Well, yeah, um, what I'd say this film is, is it's a kalel story. Yeah. It's not a Superman story, it's not a Clark Kent story, because with Superman, his alter ego is Clark Kent, and in most superhero films, especially origin films, they usually have their identity and then their alter ego. So for, like, Batman, you've got Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, then at the end, Batman. Whereas this one, it's Kal-El, 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 Clark Kent.
1: Yeah, it's almost like he goes... It's almost like he goes from being Kal-El to Superman and then Superman realises he needs another alter ego, so he gets Clark. It's almost like he's got three, which feeds into the Holy Trinity idea, which feeds into one of my cons, actually, which is the heavy saviour symbolism in this film. It
0: is everywhere. Oh, he's he's practically Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, the comics aren't subtle about it either. But got, um, you've got him doing crucifix poses as he's coming out of the ship. At one point, he's confessing in a church in front of a stained glass picture of Jesus. Like, how heavy do do you need to go?
0: Well, yeah, Superman has always been, like, from the very start in the comics, in action comics, he was essentially the greatest American dream. He was everything every American aspired to be. And as we all know, America is a heavy, heavy religious country
1: true
0: mainly christianity so they practically made this indestructible god to be a sort of like he's not a he's not a weapon he's a savior like someone else you know long hair beard any (laughs) hints and it's, it's one of the biggest gripes i've got with superman because like he's nowhere near my favorite comic character ever purely because he was strictly built just to be indestructible
1: well that's it Superman is bread and butter you can live on it but there's usually very little flavour very little substance he's quite he's a cardboard cut out you can't go too far with him because the fans will range.
0: exactly but then on the flip side what they did with the Injustice storyline and what they're doing in the comics now with him that's better because I think they've come to realise like uh maybe we can't just have him as like the idealistic superhero where absolutely nothing bad can happen to him. He can't do anything bad ever because he is the American dream, he is Jesus Christ and person, personified. And I've sort of like flipped him like, yeah, he's this angry dictator now because that's what he can do.
1: The uh, the last thing that I have here on my pros list is just the overall hopes of theme, uh, the theme sorry of hope and freedom to choose, which is basically beat into you from the very beginning with the codex Clark being a free birth, you know all of that. Yeah, I think those themes come across quite well in this. He chooses to defend Earth against his own people. He doesn't just go with what he feels well, what he's being told to do. He has the freedom to choose compared against Zod, who has no freedom. He was born into a system and he has to carry it out to his own detriment. He can't see outside of his own confinement.
0: Yeah, I find Zod in this a very conflicted character, purely because, like, as you said, he's programmed and he's been brought up and he's lived this one life. He doesn't know any other life. So he's got one goal in his mind and that's protect krypton and everything kryptonian no matter the cost because he's a military general so like at the end of the film when essentially all of that's gone you do feel for him because he's like he's got nothing left anymore there's there's kal-el that's it
1: he's a computer with no programming essentially yeah yeah but I i feel it's dealt with quite well Let's get on to our cons. We'll try and keep it brief because we could get sucked into this for ages.
0: So,
1: yeah, we could. The characterization of Jarrell is a bit inconsistent because he's programmed, if that's the right word, he was grown as a scientist, but then he's whipping guns out, shooting, fighting, holding his own against a general who was bred for war. It just doesn't mesh with what we've been told.
0: Yeah, I... Also- A character in this film with the sole purpose of being the scientist on Krypton, which was well established in the comics as well. The fact that he can overpower soldiers is a bit off. Because, yeah, yeah, give him some basic self defense, let him use his scientific mind the same way that Bruce Banner does in the comics where he creates solutions whereas he he can't fight one on one. He has all of this technology around him. He uses his brain to outthink his opponents. And I think I would have liked to have seen Jarrell use that and utilise the technology that he had because like he was the leading scientist essentially.
1: So yeah, he would have had all good
0: brain. toys. Yeah he's got big brains, he's got good toys. He could have made something, some sort of defence mechanism to maybe shield him protect him and whatnot but no instead they were like we've given him a war suit we've given him some weapons he's going to fight these soldiers which are bred to be soldiers that's all they know and he's going to beat them because they're minor characters and then when (laughs) Zod comes he's like yeah we're going to have them stand off and be equal because he's Superman's dad and Zod's the big bad guy but they're equally matched, but eventually Zod will overpower him and get past him. But yeah, he know, was wearing
1: <laughs> literal plot armor.
0: Yeah, I hate like plot armor so much. Yeah.
1: So Lois Lane, Amy Adams does a fine job, right? I think she's quite good. The fact that she learns who Superman's identity is, is before the first film's even done—it's <laughs> not right
0: yeah like I'm just reading up on the the Wikipedia page yeah saying um, Daily Planet reporter Lois Lane receives an assignment to investigate the discovery of a Kryptonian scout ship in the Canadian Arctic yeah that's fine let her investigate it but she gets there at exactly the same time Clark does
1: yeah it's all a bit
0: convenient yeah like it just doesn't make sense that he'd be there at the exact moment that she got there given his power base and the fact that she's just a person exactly and right I mean the fact that she managed to get into the ship full stop annoys yeah. me
1: that's a bit bizarre right let's fire through the last of these quick quick fire cons quick fire Inconsistent origins of Kryptonian powers, right? It's the atmosphere, but it's also the sun. That doesn't make sense. And then some of them do have powers without the atmosphere.
0: Some of them don't.
1: It just, it was sloppy, sloppy right in. They could have just excluded it and saved themselves plot holes.
0: Yeah. What they essentially did was you get some powers with the sun, you get some powers with the atmosphere. But it was
1: never clearly explained. It's like a throwaway line almost.
0: Yeah, like I th- I'm pretty sure one of them says it's the earth atmosphere or something that's interfering with their senses or whatever, and it's overloading them. But at the same time, it's just no, exactly.
1: <laughs> right, death of Park I know you've got feelings about this. The hurricane,
0: there were so many ways Clark could have saved him so quickly. I mean, this man's faster than speeding bullet. He's almost as fast as the Flash. There is no way in hell anyone would have seen him if he moved at top speed, got and out of that car, moved him to a safe location, and got back there. Nobody would have noticed it, because the they'd, whole, all be, they'd all be focused on the tornadoes coming up.
1: Exactly. The whole use of the tornado in the first place... I didn't feel was necessary, it was more like it was an action piece the original Jonathan Kent has a heart attack and it's to teach Superman that despite all of his powers and all of his abilities you can't save everyone, people will still die and that message is kind of lost
0: yeah, having him die from something that could have been prevented by Superman is a bit strange it's almost like if he'd got shot like Superman could have prevented that He could have just stood in the way, took the bullet, bullet crumple up on him, end off. A natural disaster, there's a million and one ways Superman could have saved him from it. But having him die from natural causes, such as a heart attack, or some form of illness, something that Superman is powerless against, would have made more sense and made that moment even more impactful. Yeah, absolutely.
1: My last... So this isn't so much a complaint, it's more of a niggle. The, the final Smallville Metropolis fight goes on too long. Like, it's a lot of action and your brain starts to sort of disconnect a little. I find you might disagree.
0: Uh, see, I thought that the, the, the general fight was, it was sort of okay. I mean, it sort of starts off in that sort of like, the outsk- the outskirts, where it's Superman and the other Kryptonians. I think one of them is called fayora yeah and then you've got the big guy that doesn't talk sort of starts with that you get the american military involved superman prevents the american military from getting killed and they're like oh he's a good guy maybe we shouldn't shoot him which you know it's a bleeding obvious at this point yeah and then it sort of moves into the city but then at the same time you've got fayora on the ship with Lois Lane who has no reason to be there whatsoever and then you've got Zod and Superman basically demolishing an entire city now if you take out the beginning fight I'm fine with that, take out the bit with Lois Lane and the ship, I'm fine with that if it was just Zod and Superman demolishing that city but have him have superman trying to force his way out of the city which we'll yeah. get on to later yeah that would be the perfect fight scene because it shows you what they're capable of
1: yeah so with all that in mind let's get started with the
0: rewrite rewrite
1: So here we are, we're at the rewrite section. This is a first for us, it's probably a first for you, so we'll just kind of go through it and see how it goes. The essential thing is that we've got a skeleton structure for it, and then me and Andy will interject and manipulate it with a little extra bits as and when we feel they would be suited.
0: Which may be more often than not.
1: Yeah, we will see. So let's see. <laughs> so I'm thinking that this revamped Man of Steel begins on Krypton, and everything's kind of similar because in that section of the film, there's not really major issues. My only thing that I would change, sorry, uh, is that he's not fighting with Sod per se. He's trying to talk to him, use his knowledge during their initial confrontation, not later on when he's trying to fire Clark off. This is their initial meeting. It's just conversation.
0: Yeah, I'd have jor trying to use his intellect and his communication to try and Persuade Zod to alter his course. Exactly.
1: And then obviously Zod will stage his coup, and then Jarell uses that distraction to steal the Codex, and then they, they go about sending Kalel to Earth. But this is the first change. Instead of the Codex going into little baby Kalel, they put it into the family crest, which they then put into the ship with them. That adds an extra little bit of symbolism, which we'll come into it later on. So just stick with us, it'll, it'll be a payoff.
0: Yeah, because having the codex in his DNA literally makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. I mean,
1: you've got the issue of cells die and replicate all the time, and you get new cells as you grow older, so how does that work? Anyway, getting distracted. <laughs> <laughs> he's at the launch, and he's going to stop it, because he's like, oh, they're sending the codex away, he's figured it out. Uh, and he just gets set upon by these drones and traps, because jor knew that Zod would find out and Zod would come from, and this is Jor-El's scientific mind coming into play his intellect. He's planned ahead almost like Batman. He's got stuff waiting. He knows he can't stop Zod. He just needs to hold on back long enough to get the ship off a of Krypton.
0: Yeah, a man as smart as Jor-El would know that he'd stand no chance against the general of the military of the entire planet in a one-to-one fight. So he would use his intellect against him. And use those drones, which you do see one of them on the Kryptonian ship that Carlel comes across and yeah. he promptly rips it apart.
1: So which- they arrive, and uh, Zod hears that the codex is missing and he pieces it together that Jarel's doing something. He automatically assumes, with his knowledge of who Jarrell is and what his specialties are, you've put it in your son, you've downloaded it into your son, basically. So he's in his head kal is now the target, kal is what he needs, that's how he's going to protect Krypton. Obviously, jor refuses to let him know where he's sending the ship, as per the original. Uh, we hear that the coup is being squashed, everything starts to go down the same. The only thing that doesn't happen is there's no altercation first before Zod kills jor Zod just snaps, you know, he's lost his, he's basically losing his world. He's yeah. The future of his people has just been sent off to God knows where. So he just snaps and he just kills Jarel Cold blood. Just stabs him.
0: Yeah, that would make sense because Zod is a character that's driven by his goal. And he yep. will stop yeah. nothing to achieve that. Well, I mean, you get the whole I will find him. Like, <laughs>
1: he's a, yeah. he's pretty determined. Speaking oh, of yeah. which, we skip forward to the trial Zod. They've been sentenced to the, fandom, so the Phantom Zone two changes one no deck ships it's not happening no
0: nope, no nope, um, no sort of phallic imagery in our nope. rewards
1: uh, they're also not being frozen they get sent to the phantom zone and the deal is while you're in the phantom zone your aging process is slowed down significantly like you're not immortal, but you will outlive everyone you know that's the form of punishment that they give because being frozen during your time in the phantom zone makes no sense
0: Yeah, it's almost like the quantum zone in Marvel, where once you're in it, time passes for you differently than it does outside. So five minutes in the phantom zone could be, what, five hours outside of the phantom zone and so on and so forth. So they'd been there for like a day tops, but then outside years and years have passed.
1: Yeah. So from there we see the usual, you know, the planet's getting destroyed. Lara looks up at the sky, thinks about her son. Boom, planet's gone. We see the ship then crash into Earth, and then it cuts to Clark on the boat. He saves the reg as per usual. None of that gets changed, but I think that's quite a good action scene and a good little display of his character. The only thing that changes from that point is when he hits the water, rather than have the flashback to him at school, controlling his powers, he has the flashback to the when the school bus goes into the water and he rescues them and gets told off by his dad because that sets up that he wants to help people, that his dad's conflicted because his dad wants to protect them and it sets out Clark's character path for the rest of the film,
0: really. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I've got nothing to add to that at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so we just follow him from there where he's working odd jobs. I keep the bar scene because I think that was a really good scene. He pushes him and he just bounces off him. Phenomenal! Uh,
0: it injects uh, a little bit of humour into the film. Yeah, it's, it's not like,
1: uh, yeah, it's not like a ha ha or he's not made like a Joss Whedon joke. It's just this guy thinks he's tough, literally bounces off a guy like twice his height and six times his width. Yeah, uh, I would change what he does to the truck though. Rather than impaling the truck and just you know <laughs> destroying this dude's what's essentially his career. He just moves the truck between two points where the guy now cannot get the truck out. The truck is fine, but you're not getting out of there <laughs> anytime soon. It oh, shows yeah. that he's still got that edge of humanity, but he's not destructive for the sake of anger.
0: No, he's just going to create a massive inconvenience for him.
1: Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'm not going to hurt you, I'm just going to make your life a little bit more difficult.
0: Yeah, that, that does seem like something he'd do.
1: Yeah, so from there, we cut to... Uh, The Canadian ice lands, or whatever it was called. The Arctic, the Canadian Arctic. Uh, But we follow Clark doing it first. He's arrived. He's like, I've heard that there's something strange in the ice. I'm investigating this. I've got a low-tier job. And he's walking about doing whatever, and he walks past someone. The camera pans from following him, starts following this woman because it's Lois Lane. She's on her investigation, but she arrives after Clark. Clark's already kind of been at this a little while by the time she gets there. Uh, We follow her, we get some exposition about what the craft is, how long it's been there. Nothing changes until she's following Clark to the ship. She does not see his face at any point. She doesn't talk to him, she she just sees his back basically. Follows him into the ship. She's taken a few photos. The AI attacks her as it does before. Clark intervenes, but then super speeds her outside of the ship, ages away from the ship. She's not injured like she was before where she would bleed out. She's just been kind of shook up.
0: Yeah.
1: Because uh, he got to her in time and he just removes her from the situation because he doesn't want her anywhere near his business.
0: Yeah. Because why would you? He's, he's, he's trying to keep hidden, you know? Exactly. He, he doesn't want his abilities to be published in quite a he's large there. newspaper. Yeah, so from
1: here he uses his key to upload the Drellii... Uh, Jarelii? <laughs> the Jarell AI. Uh, we get the exposition about you know what happened to Krypton and their, their pre-programmed burst and whatever. We yeah. get the suit reveal. And this is kind of a fake-out for the audience because you think it's going to be the suit. It's not. It's this dull-looking, almost like a battle suit like what Jarell had. It just looks basic. There's yeah. no crest. It's just a basic-looking suit.
0: Yeah, it fits into the tone with every single outfit, every single piece of clothing that was on Krypton at the start. There was nothing bright or bold about it.
1: Exactly. It was a very Earth thing, that kind of colour scheme.
0: It's a very American thing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so the ship takes off as in the original. We get a shot of Lois watching it go and you can see from the look on her face, she's like, I'm finding out who was on that ship. Yeah. Uh, Ship lands. Clark emerges in the plain suit, and we can hear Jarrell giving his, you know, they will join you in the sun, you'll teach them to walk in the sun, or whatever he says.
0: Funny enough, be- I have memorised this quote <laughs> just for this moment. Do yeah, it. Hit me with that. it. You'll give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you, they will stumble, they will fall, but in time they will join you in the sun, Cal. In time... You will help them accomplish wonders. Nice. Oof.
1: It, it sounds a lot better in an English accent than it does in mine.
0: Well, <laughs> it's it sounds an awful lot better than an Australian trying to do an American trying to do an alien accent. That's very true.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Clark comes out and he's doing his usual bit where he's, you know, he's trying to fly. And yeah. he's getting closer and he's getting closer and he takes off and it looks like he's about to manage it. He's kind of wobbling, but he's going up. You know, he's continuing to do it. He gets a flashback to his dad. They're driving somewhere, they're arguing. Clark tells him, he's like, you know, you're not my dad. They start arguing properly. And the stress from that argument brings on the heart attack.
0: The heart attack.
1: Because this works twofold. One, Clark can't save him. No matter how fast he is, no matter how strong he is, you can't stop that. Two, Clark basically killed him, is how he sees it. Yeah. He's living with that guilt. He's like, if I hadn't said those horrible things, he might have still been here. And that's when he makes that sort of decision to himself, I will do the right thing. Yeah. Plus, it just, no hurricane. Just no hurricane.
0: No hurricane. And it hits hits the emotional note
1: needs to. That flashback basically cuts through him and he just falls out of the sky. He just doubts himself plummets out of the sky through the mountain because that was a good little scene i quite like that
0: and so i thought that maybe there could be some sort of building that he somehow jumps over and I, I i just have a little cut to two random american truck drivers that have just watched this person jump over the building and one of them turns to you and goes, did that guy just jump over this building? And the other one just turns to and goes, it's more of a bound. <laughs> because that would just, that would be the, the creme de la creme of all comic callbacks. For the that would be that, pretty good, actually. For the man that could bound over buildings. I mean, he has to
1: get out of the Arctic somehow, so you could have it as he's leaving the Arctic. Because he's, he's going to have to super speed forward slash leap. Yeah you could have him do that at some point but that comes in a little bit later Yeah. Uh, so from him going through the mountain the scene will cut back to lois she's tracking down superman's history and she gets all the way to smallville as soon as she gets there the whole town just locks up because they're they're aware there's something strange about clark and they're starting to kind of put pieces together
0: but Uh, they know they know he's not a bad thing
1: yeah, he's not horrible. He's always helped them. You know, they see him as one of their own kind of thing.
0: Yeah, so they're almost like protecting him.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we return to Clark. He's made his way home. We could have the bounding scene in there at some point. Maybe he's leaping over Smallville to get to the farm.
0: In a single bound? You Oh,
1: you could have. You remember the guy that works in the IHOP? Yes. He could say it. He could look up and he could be like that he just jumped the whole town in a sink and in one leap. And then yeah. he's talking, like, it's really more of a bound.
0: It was more of a single bound.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so he gets home, tells his mum, look, I found my people, we get all the same stuff, but there's no grave scene because Lois doesn't find out who Clark is. No. Uh, Zod arrives uh, at the moon, Clark's all ready to surrender, and he goes for his suit. And his mom's like you can't go like that she was like there's something you need to see she takes him into the barn she shows him the ship and then we see just the crest just poking out of the ship a little bit we see he lifts it out and she's like oh this this arrived with you uh i think it was a gift from your family kind of thing yeah and then he emerges not from some magical spaceship he comes out of the barn you know he's a boy from kansas He's, he's about as human as you can get but he emerges from the barn as he's putting the crest on and the suit's just sort of, the colours are just morphing into the traditional suit colours. Yeah. Kind of meshes the, the alien, the god with like, he's coming out of a barn he's a down to earth dude.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, that that alright? Yeah, yeah, it's fine.
1: That was just a little sort of ad, lib. I've not actually got that written down here.
0: Yeah, sort of like, it sort of grounds him. Yeah. A little bit.
1: So, Clark, Clark can't fly, so he's got no way to get to them. So he just fires off a massive beam into the sky, because he's pretty sure that will get their attention. And surely enough, they do come down pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh. So, they arrive, and Zod's quite friendly with them, you know, because he's got something that he wants, and he's also a Kryptonian. And he's fine until he looks down and he sees the crest and he remembers Darrell and he remembers everything that went down on Krypton. And he doesn't snap but his attitude towards Clark changes because it all comes flooding back.
0: It would because to Zod it wouldn't have passed as long. long.
1: Yeah. uh, So he's asking Clark about the codex and he's like, we're going to use this to revive Kryptonians on Earth. Clark's like, yep. Don't, Don't know what you're on about. Uh... And he turns, Clark turns to his mom to ask him, you know, do you know anything about this? And Zod jumps in, he's like, well, you know, primitive like her couldn't possibly understand. Clark gets kind of annoyed at this, and Martha just pops off at him because she's, you know, a fiery lady.
0: Oh, yes,
1: yeah, was, she's, she's having none of that. But uh, Zod gives a little nod, and what do you call her, Aurora? Feora. Feora. Basically puts her hand on Martha's shoulder and kind of forces her to kneel. And then she's like, kneel. You know, that's a nice little callback to kneel before Zod. Oof. Yeah. So, Clark's not very happy about that. Uh, Clark shoves her back. He does it a little bit too hard, basically knocks her into the barn. Things start to escalate. Clark basically stands by his mum. And then the two, I don't want to call them lackeys, Zod's second in command, the big one and the female. Yep tag teaming Clark, trying to get to his mum because they realise, again that's his weakness so Clark's basically defending his mum we don't immediately get him throwing somebody into Smallville he's kind of holding his ground trying to get her to get back to the house essentially and get them away from her
0: Uh,
1: so Zod eventually calls that off and he's like, you know, I, I need this codex. And he's trying to make it seem like he's doing Clark a favour almost by protecting his mum. And he's like, look, if you just give me, you know, if you can tell me where the codex is or, you, can, you know, locate it for me, we'll leave. We'll just leave Earth in Peace. We'll sell it somewhere else. Clark's like, yep, definitely don't know where it is. And Zodimus misreads that as Clark is being like his dad. He's deliberately defying him. Yeah. Than the truth, which is Card doesn't know about the codex. He doesn't know about his heritage to that degree. But because of Zod's previous uh, encounters with his dad, he's like, Nope, you're being you're being just like he was.
0: You're being a dick.
1: Yep. Zod just basically flips his armor off uh, and immediately is aware that something's changed in him. But he can feel the yellow sun just powering him up. And that's yeah. when he does the whole uh you know, if you're not gonna help us establish a uh, on here you can join you know the people you love so much underneath the foundations and clark's like clark's like, yep nope that's not happening so he just goes from and then realizes after about two seconds that Zod is miles ahead of him in terms of fighting ability
0: well exactly because at this point clark has not faced anyone that is matched him for power yeah in a one-on-one fight He's, he's been able to overpower practically everything up until this point.
1: So they're fighting and Zod basically moves the fight to Smallville. We get most of the destruction we got in Smallville before. The fight that was happening before was still happening at the farm with the other two. Yeah. But Zod tries to move it to Smallville into a larger populated area because he's kind of starting to suss out what Clark's like. Uh. So it's going on with that and fighting, and then the other two show up, and Zod so retreats to go set up the world engines to terraform the Earth. Yes. From there, everything's kind of the same. You know, they get taken. The female gets taken down. The big guy disappears. Where uh, and it cha- the only thing that changes is when Clark goes to the world engine. He goes for the one in Metropolis, which I don't think is the one he went for before.
0: No, he went for the one that was on the other side of the Earth.
1: Yeah, no, he doesn't do that in this one, because that would be dumb.
0: Yes, he can't fly. He could only jump and run really fast.
1: Exactly. So he goes for the one in Metropolis, plus he figures, that's probably where Zod is. If he was going to pick one, he'd probably be over what is essentially, in this world, the capital of America. Yeah. Uh, So he he goes there, and he's trying to leap up into this thing to smash it to bits, and he just can't get the reach. The gravity pushing down is far too much for him. Each time he's trying to jump up, he's getting you know less and less height. It's like things are getting bad. And he looks up. And this is where the traditional music starts to swell. The original score from the original Superman film. So that starts the build-up. And he can hear both of his dads talking to him. He hears the sun speech again. Because, I mean, that's about as inspirational as you get. Oh, yeah. And then... His Kryptonian dad kind of starts to fade away, and he just hears Jonathan Kent go, whatever you do, your gifts, you're always going to be my son. And then he looks up and just smashes through it as the music's like crescendoing. Comes flying through the top, and you can just see that Clark's kind of giddy, because he can fly.
0: Oh yeah, he's going to be absolutely, absolutely over the moon with himself.
1: Yeah, he's trying to be serious, but he's like, "I I can fly. He's still—he's human in his mind, whether his body is or not. He's like, I can fly. This is amazing. Uh, yeah. So he comes out the other side, and he just—you know—he's enjoying this moment. He's kind of basking in the sun almost, and he just gets whacked out of the sky by Zod. And from there, really, things kind of stay the same. The only thing that majorly changes is Clark is continually trying to move the fight away from Metropolis, and Zod keeps bringing it back. Because he's like, well, this is the only way I can kind of keep you capped now. Because yes,
0: it's, he would have sussed very early on that Cal was trying to almost hold back yeah. while around in a populated area. So he'd see this as a form of weakness that he could exploit pretty quickly. So he's yeah. like, yeah, we're going to fight there because I've got the home advantage there.
1: Yeah. So I would keep everything from there, including the infamous next to that. I think that for that character and for where it was going, it made sense. I would keep the I'm never going to stop line.
0: Yeah, because it's it's essentially like, here's the ultimatum. These people are going to die or you're going to kill me. It's one of them. You yeah. have to choose because I am going to kill these people. Absolutely. And it sort of almost gives Clark that that sort of like um, moral dilemma. Like, yeah. Do, do I let these people die, or do I kill this one person? It's one life against three. I think it was.
1: Yeah. So no, four. No, I'm sure there was a father, a mother, and a son and a daughter or something. Anyway.
0: Yeah, so it's that age-old dilemma of: do you kill one person, or do you get let loads of people die?
1: Yeah. But yeah, so he snaps his neck, does the scream. He's in mourning he picks the body up and he flies it away we don't see where he takes it but it's implied that he's taking it for some sort of respectful kryptonian style burial yeah he doesn't just leave the body there to get picked up because he's not an asshole. he's like well you know for all of his faults he was still one of my people you'll get a kryptonian burial
0: yeah, despite all of his faults, he was just doing what he thought was right. Exactly. Uh, and then the film kind of wraps up with the bit where
1: Clark's walking into the Daily Planet. He's got his glasses on. He walks into the elevator. Lois is there. He looks at her, knowing who she is. He recognises her. He didn't really know she was going to be there because he's not super clued up on who, who's who at the planet. Yeah. But he looks at her and he's like, oh, crap. Uh, and she looks at him with with no recognition at all. Is yeah. this weird guy's basically staring her down?
0: Oh, well, um, in, in, in the comics, the glasses are actually not just your normal pair of specs either. Are there got, some
1: sort of like Kryptonian hypnosis glass or something that kind of like perceive uh, warp reality or
0: something? Or warp perception. Yeah, it's it's basically. Um, whoever wears them becomes less perceived by other people so that can basically just go unnoticed.
1: That's interesting.
0: And and unrecognised so, which is why loads of people don't recognise Superman just putting a pair of glasses on.
1: Uh, And then the film closes with her going first day and he goes, yeah. And she goes, welcome to the planet. That's it. Film end. Man of Steel wrapped up.
0: Now see, I like that line. Welcome to the planet.
1: Yeah, because it's dead. Well, obviously, it's pretty on the nose, but it's just, it's so... It's... I don't know what the word is.
0: It's the right amount of cheese. Yeah. For a superhero film.
1: Because to her, she's just saying, welcome to the Daily Planet. To him, it's twofold. And to us, right?
0: Eh, but she doesn't
1: know. And he does. Yeah, we're like... It's sort of a knowing for us and a knowing for Clark and she's just in the dark. That yeah. well, I wasn't meant to rhyme.
0: <laughs> but it so, did.
1: So that brings us to the end of Man of Steel. The rewrite was surprisingly difficult because it was a decent film and you, you don't want to change too much when it's an alright film because there's a lot in there that's still good and because you're not changing too much it really restricts what you can do creatively.
0: Yeah, so in a way we didn't we didn't obliterate the foundations for the DCEU. We simply chipped away the bits we didn't like and put in a new, a new fresh coating.
1: Exactly. However, next week we will be getting stuck in with, but not next week when we get round it, because despite COVID, we're actually living quite busy lives. Yes. Uh, I think fortnightly is probably a more realistic
0: whenever we get around to it
1: yeah just whenever it could be fortnightly it could be monthly it's until we're up and running just keep an eye on the
0: page really and you won't know until the next one
1: exactly so
0: which will will be
1: Batman vs Superman Dawn of Justice
0: part one
1: part one it will be a two-parter because our plan little spoiler is to split it into two films
0: Batman so, vs Superman yep. and Dawn of Justice.
1: So that will be very interesting. And if you want to know what happens with that, I suggest you tune in next time. Well, so until then, I mean, that's goodbye for me in Scotland. It's a farewell from me in sunny old England. And we will see you for the next podcast.
0: Fare thee well, listeners.